more to come. PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing. Recorded yet again at the PW offices in New York City. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly, Editor of PW Comics World, and Editor of the Fanatic PW's twice-a-month comics and pop culture newsletter. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I'm the Editor-in-Chief of The Beat at comicsbeat.com. And you can find us on Twitter at, at PW Comics World. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer, and you can find us online on Tumblr at pwcomicsworld.tumblr.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to more to come on the Apple Podcast app, on Google Podcasts, and on Stitcher. And on Facebook, we're at facebook.com slash pwcomicsworld. And don't forget, you can leave us a rating, a comment, a thumbs up, uh, interaction of some kind, a qualitative value judgment of some kind. Um, we love to hear from our listeners, so please let us know how we're doing. Hit us up, why don't you? All right, this week on More to Come, Art Spiegelman Lifetime Achievement Award from the National Book Foundation. Big news, uh, uh much deserved. The Dawn of DC, that's a new initiative alert, folks. Pixiv Crackdown, we got Business Brief, and Wakanda Forever and Ever. <laughs> and ever alright this week on more to come uh, if you don't know what the National Book Foundation is uh, it is the, is, the, is the organization that oversees the National Book Awards which are the preeminent book literary achievement awards uh, in the North American book market um, uh, I, over my many years in publishing I usually uh, cover it uh, now that I'm in my semi-retirement, the Young Bucks at the PW went to cover it and I did not go, but I did watch the streaming of it. And, um, uh, Art Spiegelman, who I guess needs no introduction, was presented, um, and this happens at the very beginning of the show, and then the rest of the show is, you, you, there are, you know, there are awards for the best, uh, novel of the year, the best nonfiction, uh, I think autobiography and young people's literature. But before we get to all that, we are getting the, the Lifetime Achievement Awards are, are handed out and the, the, for the distinguished contribution to uh, American Letters, uh, an award awarded to someone who has enriched our literary heritage over a life of service or a corpus of work. It was awarded to Art Spiegelman, uh, uh, the author of Mouse um, uh, a, and an amazing figure in the history of this wonderful category that we talked about so much. Uh, I, I assume he's on our timeline somewhere, Heidi. Uh, I, I just think that this is kind of, for me in the book world, this is the culmination of, of his work. Uh, now, as Art said himself in his acceptance speech, you know, he, he didn't create Mouse to teach anybody about anything. Uh, he bought, he, he created to teach himself something about his parents. Uh, but you know what? He happily accepted this award. Uh, he gave a great speech. He was introduced by Neil Gaiman, uh, who mentioned, uh, I think he first time he read something by art, he was 14 years old. And I think it was an oversized issue of Raw with those first early mini comics or zines of Mouse. Uh, so it was, you know, a, real, a very weighty evening. Obviously, it's a gala event. It's held at Cipriano's on Wall Street. So this is back in person. Oh, yes. This was in person. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think, was this the first year? I think they did person? it in person oh, last, last year. year. Too, I think it was but... started. Last year was the first time. Yeah. Uh, it's a gala event. Um, you know, all of the New York literary world is there. Uh, obviously, in all of the, the nominees. Um, but it was really a delight to see Art up there. I mean, just a few among the things he said. Uh, uh, you know, he issued some, you know, he had, he was a little truculent about the whole graphic novel well, things. I and mean, talked about I'm, comics. I, well, I mean, I will say, I think it's, <laughs> you know, to Art getting this Lifetime Achievement Award, of course, is very timely given all the protests against yes. Mouse. And I mean, you know, Art has been, well, I mean, we've talked about it here on the podcast over the last year. Or so, unfortunately, time flies, uh, when you're being oppressed. And, um, uh, you know, that mouse has been removed from curriculum, yes. removed from school libraries, which is, you know, yes. the dumbest thing I've ever of heard course. in my life. Uh, although the Hobbit being for grade six and up 
is right up there well, uh, course, as yeah. the school idiotic you know, school I'm, boards are. You know. But anyway, yes, uh, Art has become newsworthy again. And I mean, it's certainly, I mean, he's never not newsworthy, but uh, it's certainly very timely for him to win this award. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And once again, he gave a, he gave a, a, a you know, kind of a brief, uh, a survey on on the evolution of comics of mm-hmm. them growing from a, a, a mass really a mass market readership at one time uh, where millions of people read comics even though they were embarrassed to to admit it uh, on through a little uh, discussion of uh, seduction of the enemy uh, of the innocent. Oh wow, he really went uh, all the way back really to did. seduction he gave of the innocent. Very wow. synopsis. Um, <laughs> I mean, I I feel like like almost it's it's like the whole point of giving him this award is that like. Hey, like gra- the graphic novel is now a literary thing that is recognized by mainstream people, but yet he still felt the need to tell everyone the entire history of the graphic novel. In this crowd, yes, because I don't think you can say it too much. Uh, look, we all embrace this. The comics have come a long way, but uh, but I thought his his speech was right on point. Um, there still is now. He moved into uh, where we are now. Uh, he expects, expressed great gratitude to be there to get this award, which he sort of, you know, saw it as the really achievement of a lifetime. Um, but it did get, he, he went into the recent controversies. Uh, he talks about a teacher in Tennessee, you know, essentially saying, you know, quote unquote, uh, you know, I love the Holocaust, <laughs> but we just don't, I just don't think we should teach it. And he went on to talk about, yes, I guess people want, you know, a kinder and gentler Holocaust mm. to teach. Oh, um, and he talked a little mm. bit about running from the achievement of mouse. He was the 500, you know, he did a cartoon about the 500 pound mouse chasing him, mm. but now he's ready to embrace that mouth. Can, he knows that this is an important time in the history. Of can the you still novel. watch this? Uh, this yes, it is. It's it is on archived um, on the national book uh, foundation uh-huh. website. Uh, just Google it. I don't have the. URL I'm looking in my at it head. now. It says you should make a donation, which uh, you know they yeah, suggest absolutely. fifty dollars. I might do um, less than that to watch uh, the speech. Part. You know, and and he also says, uh, um, uh, you know, he 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 doesn't even see. He, he kind of seeing that this this censorship effort, you know, um, you know, in some ways as an effort of uh, yes, vestigial anti-Semitism. He also worries that it's you know. Obviously, it's outright censorship, an effort to control thought, and even perhaps maybe a, a, a way to divert tax dollars away from public education to private religious schools. Uh-huh. That said, um, uh, as he said, this is the story of his parents' experience of Nazi Europe and surviving the Holocaust. Well, you know, considering the fact that... Um there's so much, there is so much rampant anti-Semitism. I mean, not to name drop, but I did see art uh, last week. There was a memorial at SVA for the late, great Diane Newman, and art oh, was speaking yes. there, oh, too. Great, and we were good. chatting briefly. He didn't yeah. mention that he was getting this Lifetime Achievement Award. He's such a busy guy that didn't, you know, enter. <laughs> it wasn't the first thing he mentioned. But, uh, you know, we talked briefly about some of the anti-Semitism. And, you yeah, look, it's out there. It's real. Uh, people are Holocaust deniers. And uh, Mouse is just as important today as Absolutely. it has ever been and will always yep. continue to be important. And so. he also wanted to make sure we all understood that he's proud of the tradition of comics as being as roots being vulgar and for you know being a troublemaker and creating controversy well i mean i will say this is kate i mean i agree with you it's kind of like you know like this was 70 years ago that this happened um uh you know seduction of the innocent so it's a long time ago you know i mean not as long as the holocaust but i mean i will say i think calvin is correct with this audience that you know Yes, and remember that this is a Wait, this is okay, discussion I, of the journey yeah, of comics I, no, from I, where okay, they were okay, to where comment. they are well, now. I, I understand, but I guess I feel like a lot of the journey of comics of the last thirty years has been making the people in the literary world understand comics and understand where they come from and understand them as an art form. Like that is part of what Art Spiegelman brought to the table. Absolutely. That is part of, of that whole generation of comics creators who both brought the literary mainstream to them and showed them our past. And to feel like, you know, here I am getting a lifetime achievement award for, you know, bringing comics into the mainstream and yet I still need to do comics history 101 before I can talk about comics today just feels like a sad irony 
Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. yeah, well, maybe yeah. as I said, I'd be in a joyous, in a joyous evening. And really, I think if you had heard the whole talk, I think you'd get the context of it, which is really that to take people on the journey that but, he went on. And, 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 Calvin, and where he but has Calvin, arrived I think, I, I think well, though, I mean, I get what you're saying, but I also think the people in the book industry who, who are not aware, there is some, still some old stick of the muds in the industry who think comics, ew, comics, and probably all of them were, in that audience. Yeah, so, but yeah. if I'm they're sure that they stick in mouse. the mud, I'm sure they don't give a damn. I'm sure they love mouse, but yeah. I mean, art is there to say, like, you know, hey, there's there's a lot more out there than mouse. Yeah. yeah. But that said, it was a great evening. Uh, he was a gracious winner. It was an emotional and, and passionate speech. And um, I couldn't have been happy no, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, for I'm, him I'm, uh, and for this category I'm, that we love. I think we should, you know, I, I missed out on this. I was busy doing other things, and I think that's absolutely fantastic. But it's archived, and it's right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go and look at it over and over. Well, there you go. It is. It is we, it's just like you know. It's it's just like uh, when uh, Joe Pesci was in Made and God Goodfellas, except he didn't get shot in the head. He really did get there made, you. and we were all bought along with him. There you go. You know. There you <laughs> uh, you go. You know, I, I as if you've listened to this podcast long enough, you know that uh, there's two things I can compare everything in life to is um, well, three: uh, Lord of the Rings, Goodfellas, and Garth Marenghi. So, yeah. Okay. okay um, so, uh. Garth yeah. <laughs> I'm not even going yeah. to ask. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> we don't have enough time. Go well, <laughs> that should be its own podcast. Uh, okay. So this news, we are recording this on Thursday nights as we do. Uh, so this news is embargoed until 11, but hopefully you are listening to this after 11 o'clock tomorrow, Friday. Uh, but DC is announcing, uh, you know, I've met a lot of chatter. What is going on at DC? What is happening there? Um, they have been a little bit under the radar, I'd say. And, you know, they've lost so many personnel that, uh, you know, I think they've been regrouping, working on morale. Certainly there's some great management there. But what is happening? Well, I'll tell you what's happening. It's called Dawn of DC. There's a year-long event uh, with ex- over 20 exciting new titles, superstar creative teams and villains. Uh, so here is, uh, they, the press release is very long. I am certainly not going to read it all. Uh, just go hop on the beat. You can read the, the whole story with artwork and everything, but I will list the titles that they have here. And do they say what the general concept is? Uh, well, it, Kate, it, uh, I, these are, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Uh, so, uh, well, the concept is all new, 20 new titles. Oh. <laughs> and heroes fighting villains. I, I'm oh, pretty sure that's the concept. Well, here's the thing. Okay, so there is a chart, actually. Dawn of DC. Uh, you probably could understand this more than me. It says, it's a chart that says DC Universe Lazarus Planet. There's a Superman logo. I don't know what that one is. There's a Green Lantern, Batman, The Flash, uh, two of, I guess that's Hawkman? Well, I don't know. All what, those have dead heroes. Okay. All right. So, and then there's a little... Squiggly. And if they've got Lazarus in there, I bet people are coming back from the dead. Okay. And then it says, Forge in the future, one hero at a time. So, this is all we know. Okay? Uh, so, uh, there's Could what we have for the titles. Um, Superboy, Man of Tomorrow by Kenny Porter and Janoy Lindsay. So, Unstoppable Doom Patrol uh, by Dennis Culver and Chris Burnham. Green Lantern, colon, Hal Jordan, by Mariko Tamaki, an artist to be announced. Now, you know, Mariko told me once she would never write superhero comics, but thank God she is. Uh, Green Lantern, colon, John Stewart, interesting, Philip Kennedy Johnson and Clayton Henry, Batman, colon, The Brave and the, Brave and the Bold by Tom King, Mitch Gerads, Gillian March, Gabriel Hardman, Dan Mora, Rob Williams, and more. Green Arrow by Joshua Williamson and Sean Isaacs. Uh, Shazam by Mark Wade and Dan Mora and The Penguin by Tom King and Stefano Gaudiano. Uh, let me see if there's any other thing that will answer, uh, all year long DC will be celebrating the classic characters who are also embracing the next generation of new heroes as we're going to need everyone to help fight against the darkness. Dawn of DC will shine the spotlight on a number of fan favorite superheroes and supervillains that haven't been front and center for a long time. Oh, here we go. After the near multiverse ending events of Dark Crisis and DC Universe Lazarus Planet, the DC Universe will be heading toward the light 
with brand new, said Jim Lee, with brand new series and story arcs, blah, 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 blah. Bold new direction. You're right. It's a pretty vague, bold new direction. You know, I, Okay, so basically what they're saying is they're bringing back some old characters. Yes. But they'll uh-huh. keep the new ones. Yes. All right, so. Yes. I mean, there's, there's a log line for all these books. Um, if you want me to read any of them, I will. No, uh, but I was just hoping that they're, usually events have a concept. This looks pretty cool though. <laughs> and I don't think I really understand this concept. But perhaps in time it all will be. Well, clear. you know what this is, honestly? This is a new new fifty two. Like uh this is way. a this is like, you know, how Marvel did all new Marvel and then they did a new <clears throat> Marvel initiative called All New Marvel and then they did new all new Marvel. <laughs> well, and I, then they did even newer. <laughs> even newer. Yeah. Well I guess unlike New Fifty Two, they're not like <laughs> destroying the fabric of the universe. They're just like, Look, we want to have an event that gives us an excuse to bring some stuff back. And revamp some things. You know what? It's which is bold, fine, uh, whatever. Iteration it, of it's, the formerly bold. It says to me that they want to do a bunch of new number ones to, <laughs> uh, no doubt. to boost sales. Yeah. And, and throw in some with, new comics. And I'm fine with, and I mean, why I, not? I'm fine. And I like, yep. I like this, the I like these creative in. teams. Uh, I will say Mark Wade is a very good fit for Shazam. Uh, for Shazam. Uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. And, um, again, I'm excited to see anything Mariko Tamaki writes. Yeah. On uh, Hal Jordan. I'm excited to see Jon Stewart getting his own book. Uh, there's yeah. a lot of hope that when. And remember, she did Supergirl too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She really... did some Batman. Yeah, she did right. Batman and too. Then, and then that Harley Quinn. Yeah. Was great. Yeah. But that was a, that was one of the teen books. That ah, wasn't superhero stuff. It was still a pretty good book though. It was very good. No, no, yeah. no. I'm no, of course. I'm, I'm, really? I'm just saying it's like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, she's, she's getting closer no, and closer. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, but listen, I'm happy for DC to be doing, you know, like I said, they're, they've had morale crusher after morale crusher. Yeah. Now I'm told that another thing that's going on at DC, obviously Dawn of DC probably was long in the works for long before this, but you know, the recent announcement that James Gunn and Peter Safran would be running DC media. Is it DC media? DC studios. DC studios, not DC films, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm told this news was greeted with joy in the New York, uh, the DC offices. In fact, there was a toast. There was like, you know, sh- li- almost literally champagne, uh, corks popping. Desperate to and, celebrate? Yes. And, um, you know, David Zaslov has been trotting around Gunn and Safran as his really shiny new toys. They did an all hands meeting throughout Warner Brothers to introduce the duo to Everybody there. So obviously, uh, that, you know, Gunn has been tweeting images of Lobo and all this stuff. So, um, you know, listen, it's been a pretty horrible three or four years for DC and it's nice to see them yeah, launching something. Pretty horrible. Yeah. Well, any other thoughts, Kate? You're a DC expert. You know, I, I love DC. They've been having a bad few years. If this is just like a, a quote unquote event, something disguised as an event just to get the ball rolling again. Then fine. That's fine. Yeah. I just, I just thought it was really funny when Heidi, before the show started, dear listeners, Heidi was reading the beginning of this uh, press release to me. <laughs> and I kept being like, but no, but what's it about? And she was like, well, hold on. It's a really long thing. Like eventually we'll get to what it's about. And then she got to the end and I was like, I still don't know what it's <laughs> yeah, about. Well, there's that, um, yeah. but you know, like there's an art to the puff piece promo, uh, email. I, I understand, and frankly, I'd rather just have uh, a relaunch disguised as an event than a bad event. So <laughs> I'm 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 there for it, right? Yeah. Like if it's just like DC's putting out some new number ones, cool, go you, DC. Yeah, sounds fine. Yeah, it sounds fine. And although you know what, I I am curious as to whether this is an actual event, uh, which this Lazarus. Do you know what a Lazarus planet is, Kate? I I I, I think I, I, think that, I can uh, guess comics. Event. Okay, so we don't know what, a, but I, well, there's a, a DC event going on now called Lazarus Planet. Okay. So uh, <laughs> that would be the first hint. So um, sounds like it involves resurrection. But I, you know, I am going to write a note. I'm going to drop a note to before our story. I mean, it's, uh, my uh, managing editor Joe Grunewald is working on it. But I'm going to drop a note and ask. Kate raises a good question. I'm going to ask, is this an event event with a inciting like incident? Or is it here, yeah. a bunch of Is it an ones? initiative? Yeah. Is it an initiative or an, or event? an event? Yes. Because an initiative is anymore? fine. Are those still and an event thing? is fine. Mm-hmm. Just which is it? 
Right. Good question. And well, my suspicion is that it's an initiative disguised as an event. Well, dear, li- be fine. dear listeners, we are taping this on Thursday night. We're going to be writing our story for the morning. We're going to do some digging. We're going to investigate. We are going to, no lid will be left unripped. No cat will be in a single bag by the time we're done. The beat is done. Uh, So we will have the answers to the initiative versus event question. So uh, I will direct you to the beat. uh, As you listen to this, we will have the whole story. Well, uh, speaking back, this was not on our, our story rundown, but I think it, loops in. It's interesting that uh Warner Brothers dash DC Studios is re embracing the comics at this time. Um huh? and you know they're they're bringing on people who really know and love comics given that mm-hmm. um there's been some quotes reaching oh, the press yes, yes. for about um Marvel Cinematic Universe um, from Nate Moore, one of the producers of many MCU films, saying that uh, they don't like to hire Marvel comic book fans to Uh-oh. write MCU movies. Right. But did you read the whole quote? Yeah, I'm, I'm reading yeah, it. Yeah, I read it. But I'm just saying it's, it's interesting. And, and he's saying, you know, I don't, quote unquote, oh, I don't want you to already have a pre-existing idea of what it is because you grew up with issue 15 and that's what you want to re- recreate. Um. But I don't know. I feel I feel like it's a little too dismissive of the people who actually love Marvel comics. Yeah, I mean, I get where he's coming from. Yeah, I, just I can, disagree. I, mean, I can see what, what what they're saying. Well, sure. I see what he's saying, hmm. uh, and I mean, I do agree. You don't want to look when you hire horrible fanboys, you get rings of power. Yes. you know who are you know? Listen, I mean, I, I I've had a chance to. I still haven't even written my recap of the last episode because it but, just went downhill and downhill and down. And then, and then also, those jokers were on a podcast talking about, oh, you know how, uh, I mean, we just thought it would be fun if Sauron made the, you know, the, made the three rings before Sauron. And I was like, that's not what happened. And Tolkien, I thought you were a big Tolkien fanboys. Anyway, you see what I'm saying? It's like right. you're biting the hand that raised you in the cradle. You're biting the hand that rocked your cradle. And so I get that. But anyway, continue. Well, I guess where I'm going with this is that there are, <laughs> there are horrible fanboys and girls out there. Yes, fan, and fangirls as well. Because fans are people. Mm hmm. And obsessive people. A little bit. And some obsessive people maybe take their obsession too far. But I, I think I've also seen way too many adaptations of comics, including some MCU ones, which were otherwise fine movies that just changed things for no reason. Mm-hmm. That didn't really add or subtract anything, which you just got the, the general concept of, Oh, you were a DC fan, weren't you? <laughs> I say, as a DC fan, well, uh, or vice versa. You know, I, I I'll say this: I understand where they're coming from, and I do, I do think that the MCU has generally done a very good job of taking the most core concepts of the comics and put keeping them on the screen. And quite often, they're the best part of the of the movies. Is I the agree. Sometimes, that, yes, that come from the comics. Um, and, uh, you know, but a couple of fun facts. You know, Kevin Feige was not a comics. They said, oh, he's the super comics nerd. You no, know, he's he, not. he wasn't. He was not a big comics nerd. He did not read Marvel growing up. And, you know, so this is a very Feige-esque yeah. take on it. And, you know, I would argue that Sam Raimi is a big comics nerd and he made the best trilogy of all. Okay. I would argue that, um, you know, for all their flaws, I mean, uh, Greg Berlanti and Jeff Johns and the TV shows are big comics nerds. And those TV yeah. shows are, you know, very yeah. good. And so, uh, you know, Richard Donner loved comic books. He made Superman. Um, blah, blah, blah. I could, the list goes on and on and right. on. I don't think it should necessarily count against you. Yes, it should not, absolutely should not count against you. Now, if you're a, that's not my Aquaman, the suit is the wrong color yes. type fan, yeah. Yeah, yeah, feel yeah, free to, you know... Throw them I, off the set. You but. know, a very much a reviled name, but I will stand by him as one of the best superhero filmmakers, uh, Zack Snyder. He gets the comics yeah. and he 
Yeah, I mean, we're going to talk about Black Panther, uh, Wakanda Forever. Is, was he a, a big comics fan? Oh, yeah. I mean, he, I yeah, yeah, he was oh, a yeah. big, yes, he's yeah, a big and, comics fan. Yes, yes. and yes. clearly, certainly in the extended version. Yeah, yeah. but I, I mean, nobody has made mm-hmm. uh, superhero movies that looked as superheroic as Zack Snyder. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. more superheroic, I should say. Yeah, um, I, I have a few issues with some Snyder movies. But that's just one fan arguing with another fan's fan fiction. Yeah. Um, well, I, I'm just saying visually he But gets visually it. He, he got gets it. it. Yes. Visually he was spot on. Yeah. No question. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like, like I'm like, it's interesting that as the DC universe is turning back toward the lovers of comics away from the people who scorned comics as a mere source of IP. That, <laughs> source of IP. Um, that now some rumblings from Marvel sort of scorning the fan as creator. It's just an interesting contract. It's, 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 it's a very, I, I had, uh, to be honest, I had missed those stories. I, I've hmm. been sort of uh, caught up in some, some <clears throat> stuff this week, but, um, Anyway, I, I was really glad you brought that quote to my attention because I thought it was quite telling. I thought yeah. it was a very, very interesting and telling quote. Like, uh, I mean, I'm not saying it's completely irrational. It's just... No, it's just an approach. It's, it's an, an approach. approach. Yeah. It's an approach. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, Kate, you had another story I about Pixiv. Pixiv. So, listeners, you may not know of Pixiv because you're probably an English language fan. I'm an English language fan for all I like manga. But... If you're on the edges of Dushinshi, if you ever look at fan art or independent online manga in Japanese, even if you can't read it, you may have happened upon Pixiv. It's kind of like sort of a cross between uh, DeviantArt and a webcomics platform. It's It's really where a lot of up-and-coming mangaka are spreading their wings, and also where a lot of fans are creating fan art. Is it is it where Dojinchi is? It's, just... do, Dojinchi is yes. there, and also just plain old art. But yeah, a lot of Dojinchi is there, and a lot of Dojinchi is sold there in digital format. Um, because, and, and especially with the pandemic, because people were not going to the big you know, anime festivals and selling their Dujinshi in person, as was once uh... the way. So Pixiv has gotten really big in years past. So part of Pixiv's appeal was that it was, like Dujinshi, uh, very much a free-for-all, where whatever you created, as long as you weren't, you know, like stealing somebody else's art and putting it up, you could put on there. Well... That's uh, not going to be the case anymore, apparently. So Pixiv has sent out a warning statement to its users that they are having a crackdown on quote-unquote unethical content and saying, if you have any unethical content, take it down now. Because (laughs) they're saying a number of users are in violation of the brand protection policy. So basically, they're saying that you cannot, now you will not allow people to sell or create for subs, for, uh, payment any comics art, well, any art depicting any kind of, how will we put this, uh, sexual things that would be wrong in real life. So, including but not limited to sexual exploitation of minors, incest, bestiality, uh, mutilation. Ah. Mutilation. Uh, well, I, it's interesting. One of these things is not like the other, right? Mutilation. Consensual mutilation. But that does, that does lead to the question of, like, consensual mutilation? Yeah. What? Anyway. Um, or rape. Which, or any other non-consensual sexual behavior. Now, a depiction is not endorsement. But it's just interesting because, you know, the Dujinshi market in Japan has been 
pretty no-holds-barred compared to, say, even indie comics in the United States. Um, you know, there's, there is a lot of people putting their completely fictional fantasies in manga form there. And so Pixiv was pretty friendly with that before. So it's interesting that they're doing a crackdown now. We'll mm. see how it really affects what's created there. We'll see if it's a chilling effect on creators. But it's just, it's just interesting. It is. I agree. It is interesting. And, um, you know, Tumblr, when they put in their, uh, ban on, uh, pornographic material, uh, which covered a lot of, uh, stuff, um, you know, that was a giant, uh, death knell for Tumblr. Well, a part of why it was a death knell for Tumblr, and actually this does leave the question of how is Pixiv going to detect this stuff, was the fact that if Tumblr had merely, um, taken down any pornographic stuff that got red flagged to them or that a human um, moderation crew found, I don't think it would have been a death knell. The problem was that Twitter trusted it to an AI. That would be Tumblr. Tumblr trusted it to an AI, which flagged many, many things that were not porn. Um, and so that leads the question is, how is Pixiv going to, mm-hmm. to, uh, do this? Are they going to have an AI? Are they going to have people? Is it going to just be a matter of complaints? I don't know. Um, but it's, it's interesting to see history potentially repeating itself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, interesting. Well, uh, all of this is shifting and, uh, there's a lot of little things going on in comics. There hasn't really been a big blockbuster deal. Uh, made over, uh, the last, actually it's been pretty quiet to be honest. Yeah, it's been quiet. But all of these little deals are being done, so while uh, we have a bunch of them, thought we would, uh, business briefs as we call it. Um, so Rocket Chip, which does, um, oh, yes. uh, crowdfund, it runs crowdfunding campaigns to publish webcomics and print form and is also, um, branching into, uh, you know, media representation and, um, tabletop gaming. tabletop gaming and, you know, mostly through crowd. Anyway, they're launching a young readers line. Like who isn't? Okay. Yes. Like, you well, know, uh, like the most obvious and it's called, um, bottle rocket, yes. bottle rocket. Yes. So take that's it, cute. It. I mean, Line everybody is looking for their, uh, their story and uh, they're launching with Felix the cat, which I'm a big Felix fan. Um, at least as a, uh, licensed character on a bedspread it's really great anything with felix on it looks really great um and then they are also doing some uh younger reader focused web comics uh such as uh i am looking here uh go berserk cosmic fox fox fires fox very popular online spirits and seek Psycho KO, something like that. You know, we didn't have this in our story list, uh, but there was another kind of rocket ship related story this week when Leanne Kresik, also known as Mangi, oh, the creator of Let's Play, yeah. announced on Twitter that, that and all of her other, too. that was actually the biggest story of the yeah. week, that she would not be continuing volume four of Let's Play on Webtoons. Uh, and she said she would announce where it was able to uh, where it would be launched later on, and um, and why is this a big story, Heidi? Well, uh, I mean, we're constantly here. Well, well, Calvin, I think I might have even brought it up that there was a big story about webtoon and online comics that ran in PW. It's a very long story, and it yeah, mentioned yeah. what a huge business it was. And yes, the, yes, but it didn't get into. Artist terms. Yes, it didn't get into artist terms. And like every time I, and to be fair, every freaking time I read a story about this, it usually starts out, oh my God, did you know this is a $1 billion industry? And, uh, you know, uh, Let's Play has 20 million viewers. I made that number up, but I mean, it does. It has millions and millions of viewers. So it's like, how are they paid? How are they Mm -hmm. monetized? And, uh, there was a lot of criticism over Webtoon and how they Mm -hmm. are monetizing creators. And so, uh, there's some you know, rumblings of discontent among I would say some artists. I would say it's more than rumblings mm-hmm. at this point, and it's, I think, uh, uh, Mangi withdrawing from Webtoon. Um, and I, you know, she did not go into detail, but, um, I understand that, uh, you know, these, the, the you know, Laura Olympus is a huge hit. Um, as a graphic novel, you know, it's being adapted. 
Um, same thing for Let's Play. I mean, it's, you know, the, the printed volumes are doing quite well. And it has been, you know, it has been optioned for media adaptation. And, uh, you know, in Korea, every, literally, literally every other TV show is based on a webtoon. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I don't think we'll bring all that model over here, but, you know, it exists and eventually, uh, you know, as I say, where there goes fried chicken, the rest of the culture follows. Um, so, um, as we're seeing more and more Korean fried chicken throughout America, but, um, uh, uh, my vague, this is rumblings, rumors, whatever. My vague understanding of it is that it is, there are, you know, there's just some business uncomfortable abilities. There was just some, you know, it wasn't, uh, there was just, you know, dealings that didn't seem fair to her on the basis between her and Webtoon and she walked. So, um, you know, it's staying up there. But yeah, this is a, this is, this is a more to come if ever there was one. Without a doubt. I mean, there are some questions out there about, you know, uh, you know, I think that really across the board, and I mean, I think in a lot of artists, you know, including I think on the self publish broadly in self publishing or, or assisted self publishing, that, you know, artists want to know a little bit more about the size of their traffic. They want to know what kind of margins they have to meet to get paid. Uh, they're, they're, this is, this is this, the, in some ways, these are, are the problems that artists have faced, yeah. have, uh, faced from all kinds of publishers since in time immemorial. Uh, how do they get a straight reading of mm-hmm. what, uh, of the, of, of the people that want their books and how much they're being paid? And I think that there is, uh, we're really starting to hear that that there's some discontent out there yeah. about how this stuff and you know when Leanne Krusik registered and measured and when Leanne Krusik wins her National Book Award, you know, uh, a Lifetime Achievement Award, and she gets up and she tells the story. This will be uh, her origin no story, no doubt. Yeah, but I, I, I'm joking. But there's more and more and more webtoons coming. Um, you know, there's yes. a lot of Chinese Lots. platforms that are coming here. Um, obviously, Tapas and Webtoon are continuing on. And, uh, so yeah, this is a real war to come. And I do think they are going to have to have more transparency. Uh, you know, which, which some of these companies are really loath to do. But, um, uh. Well, all I can good. say is that if you're looking for more transparency, don't go to a Chinese company. <laughs> or a Korean company. Well, I mean, I, well, I mean, even That's especially Chinese. I, yeah. I will say this, listeners, this is not a dig at China as a whole. This is specifically Chinese webtoons. Uh, I have on several occasions tried like heck to find literally anyone to com- contact at Tencent who speaks English and is willing to talk to the press about their um, Dan My properties, and I couldn't find a thing. Um, you know, transparency is not huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, at least I, to the English language. I will audience. say, uh, I have, there is, and, and I'm, I'm not gonna, I don't recall the name to be honest, so I'm not gonna look it up, but, um, I have actually been, there is a Chinese company that is announcing some moves and their PR has been in touch with me, and they offered me an interview with their, their CEO, so I, by, via email, so I sent her the questions, and then I didn't hear anything back, so I was like, okay, maybe these questions were, I mean, you know, I mean, I just asked normal questions, I didn't, yeah. you know, yeah. I didn't shy away from it, I mean, I don't know how else to do it, and I thought, oh, I, you know, I guess I went too far, but then they wrote back and said, oh, you know, we're sorry, but uh, we're getting a new CEO, so, uh, you know, when they're in place, we can revisit this, and I'm like, oh, well, you know, fast moving, it's a fast moving um yeah, uh, Horizon. Well, at, to to move on to another story here. Uh, so I had, I guess I had the exclusive, which I didn't even realize. But um, there's a new comics publisher out there. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? I'm, I'm shocked, not... Heidi. I'm shocked. Yeah, boy, these are big times, big times. Uh, anyway, new publisher. It's called Bad Egg, and I mean, I guess, I you know, we joke about it, but there's a lot of comics that are celebrity driven and um you know some of them are pretty good some of them are pretty ungood but uh this is sort of that idea except with i guess what you could call influencer slash content creators so the first the founder is uh followed by the name of moist critical and uh you know i'm saying that with a with a you know question mark at the end but he does have 11 million followers on youtube right. no and so that. there's yeah. yeah you can't you know these people are are incredibly popular have huge followings huge passionate followings and he's been doing it since he was 11 years old so you know what props to him absolutely and uh he's also known as penguino 
and also Charlie White. So, um, so anyway, Bad Egg is, uh, Robert Myers, who was at Oni and at Valiant and, you know, a real comics veteran. He's kind of the comic book dude there. He's the first person who tipped me off to this. And, um, so I was able to interview Charlie, uh, about this venture and they are looking to launch more. You, know, you look, I mean, he had an idea for a comic book and his business partner's sister is Stephanie Phillips, the comics writer. So it kind of all came together. Yeah. But, you know, they're doing more books. They're reaching out to more, uh, more content creator influencers who have millions of followers yeah. and they're going to put some comics out there. And you know what? Um, bring it on. Yeah, bless them. Bring yeah, it on. Bring it on. You know? Yeah. Um, let me see. What else did we have here? If there was any other little newsy, uh, newsy notes that were of interest, um. Well, AWA is going with Lunar. Yeah, AWA joined with Lunar. Uh, also Image Comics is signed up with Library Pass. I think that's actually a little bit yeah. more significant because as we know, Library Pass, uh, you know, the, the question of digital lending is a real poser and Library Pass offers this kind of Netflixy deal to libraries and it's yeah. good to see another, you know, big yeah. publisher getting on that platform, I think. So yeah. And Library yeah. Pass has been very aggressive. Yeah, they're, they're really taking on a lot of publishers to offer. Yeah, yeah they have easier relation- access to library yeah. pages. For, to, yeah, to get, yeah, they <clears throat> they have relationships with uh, Boom, Dark Horse, Fantagraphics, Kodansha, Tokyo Pop. You know, a, a mm-hmm. bunch of different places. Yeah, yeah. All right. All right. Um, but there's other things going on in the. Um, the world of pop oh, wait, I have one more. I'm sorry. Sure. I'm sorry. Go I have one more. So James Tiny in the fourth, who is the big superstar of Substack. Remember a year ago when Substack oh, yes. was the biggest thing going? Well, everybody's deal is over, and but they're still doing their Substacks. However, they're all taking their books to print. So he's going to be doing his books with his own little imprint at Dark Horse. And we have talked about Dark Horse uh, with their little imprints quite a bit. They have a Stan Sakai imprint. They have a Eric Powell imprint. Mm-hmm. They have a Kevin Smith imprint. And now they have this little James Tiny. And I have a Karen Berger, you know, the African Berger books. Guy, Okoye. Uh, yeah, Okoye. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Roy Okupe. Unique. Unique. Yeah. And, uh, so this seems to be one of, you know, they have a new ownership, which really hasn't made any much of a splash. Uh, but obviously these are the kind of moves that they're making. So, uh, I think that's good news. I think it's good that Dark Horse is, is diversifying their content and, uh, you know, a home, uh, a nice, a safe haven for yeah. these, uh. Yeah. Well, I have to say, Dark Horse has had, in the recent past, not at the moment, sort of a dormant period where they had some, you know, ongoing things that were great and all, but they weren't turning a lot of heads. Um, but it seems like they're getting back on the horse. Oh, unintentional pun. Sorry, mm. listeners. And, um, <laughs> you know, uh, it's good to see it because I get love to see the, it. the more, you know, publishers actively seeking to create good work, the better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. And I, I, I'm wondering if this is, is this part, if, if this is uh, an initiative that's driven by their acquisition. I mean, they're, they were, they were acquired by a giant gaming, uh, multi you know global gaming company uh i guess based in sweden but Embracer, you know, the obviously group. you know more stories the better i yeah, mean yeah. and the possibility for them to become other kind of media well, my understand, I suppose. yeah i mean honestly I, I think everybody's kind of just left dark horse on their own and you know they haven't been mm. going to shows so it's not like yeah. we've been seeing them uh at new york or san diego uh or the recent uh diamond retailer summit and so um I guess there's more to come on that. Here that's what know. I'm getting yeah, at. That's, you know, yeah. uh, that's, that's the proper response to almost everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. uh, but you know what? The, we could always talk about Black Panther um, 2, Wakanda yes, Forever. Yes, yes. Um, uh, I saw it, uh, nine o'clock in the morning on a Sunday because I'm a little paranoid of packed movie <laughs> houses. Uh, but look, I, I, look, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I don't think it's a perfect movie. Um, I think, yeah, obviously we learned some things. Uh, what's a, what's a spoiler here and what's not? Uh, you know, we know the new Black Panther is, at least for now. Yeah. Okay, so listeners, I'm gonna ask you to fast forward at this point, and I'm going to drop in, uh, a recording of my voice telling you at what time signature you should come back. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 5630.
We're not going to do total spoilers, but yeah. let's just talk about our impressions of the movie. We yeah, don't have to yeah. do a recap yeah, okay, of the whole yeah, plot. That's good. Yeah. So, um, but look, I, I I just think uh, Ryan Coogler he he's he, he's expanded on this incredible infrastructure of um, it, it, taking the historical legacy of of oppression and and even the the age of uh, exploration. And, uh, evolved it into an amazing tableau of storytelling, uh, th- through these superhero characters. Uh, and, and his focus on, uh, on both black people and now on, uh, indigenous, uh, and, and in fact, Mesoamerican, um, uh, and bringing them into the narrative and also shifting his focus around the black Atlantic slave trade to the Caribbean. Uh, I think it's really amazing. I mean, besides being in Central America, we're also in Haiti. Uh, I, I think he, he, his ability, his flexibility, his creativity with turning history and a, and a different history, a counter history hmm. to the world of exploration to, uh, to what we have received. Uh, it's really, it's just thrilling to watch and see it move into a whole new area. Yeah, I mean, obviously this movie was made under a dark shadow, uh, which is as dark a shadow as you can possibly have, which is the leading character p- tied tragically young. And, you know, the loss of Chadwick Boseman, who was Black Panther, is just, you know, it's, it's tragic. It's sad. I mean, there was, I don't know about you, now, you know, I went to a critic screening and, uh, I will say the opening scenes, opens on T'Challa's funeral and there was a lot of sniffling now and then at the end like the whole movie is really all the characters dealing with their their grief over T'Challa's and then that kind of brings it back at the end man there was you know sobbing there was sobbing in this and I can't imagine what it was like at your screen was there people at yours or was it crying everyone was touched by this and and I I I leaped into you know the the infrastructure of the plot because I still find it dazzling well I think in its creativity but this is movie is a memorial to Chadwick Boseman it is it's an incredibly incredible uh, uh, memorial it's threaded throughout the plot there's powerful moments of course at the beginning Mm -hmm. even more powerful at the end Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I mean, I, you know, I wasn't crying, but certainly I feel the same way that I think everyone does when they see this movie. And I think even Chadwick Boseman aside, I mean, he's the reason for it, but I think this is a timely topic Mm -hmm. because we are currently coming out of a time in which a lot of people died unexpectedly and a lot of people are dealing with loss. And so... Something that was very personal, Chadwick Boseman, it can also become universal in like using a superhero movie to talk about something that usually superhero movies blow off. Absolutely. Yes. Usually yes. in a superhero movie, everybody's very sad for 20 minutes and then they come back from the dead. Yeah. <laughs> and so that doesn't make it yeah. a good way of talking about lasting grief yeah. and lasting legacy. No, it's the worst possible way. You know, uh just you know, the movie does this is you know, not a huge spoiler. Everybody knows it introduces Namor, yes. aka the Submariner. Yeah. I guess He's it's in a, the trailers. Yeah, yeah, so everybody knows that. Yes. And uh so in the comics, uh the Submariner and Black Panther had wonderful clashes, great storylines. Mm. And so I'm sure that was the original ideas. Like of course and you know, there was all the little the little hints that they've been draw. I mean, this, ugh, you gotta love the MCU when it, they have yeah. had all these little hints about, uh, it's, it's they not, Cal- it's crime. not called Atlantis, it's called Calcolcan, but anyway, mm-hmm. this underwater kingdom. And so this has been based, so this is, and, and as Calvin, as you were saying, like, the way it is couched is in the, you know, these indigenous cultures and against the danger of colonization and, you know, being stripped for their parts, being stripped yes. for their resources. Yeah. And so the, the conflict of Namor and Black Panther becomes, you know, the, the surrogate for that. And, uh, you know, it, it, you see, I, you see my only beef with this movie is that it's not even a beef. It's just, um, I, I mean, that's, it's an incredible, um, you know, idea for the film. And that you can see the gears moving a little bit. And 
uh, that they had to shoehorn the new Black Panther and this whole other story. I'm not shoehorn, but you know, it became like this recontextualized about that. Um, that there are two stories going on. Yeah, at once, there's two so stories. Maybe like right, them well. right. The original movie would have been, you know, Black Panther fighting Submariner. <laughs> well, that to me is what's dazzling about it, is because indeed there are layers and wheels within wheels yes. turning in this yes. movie, and, it, and these are wheels of meaning and allegory. And I, well, like I said. He's done this with history. He's taken yeah. the historical suffering of of these groups of people, of, of black Americans and Africans. Now he's moved into the world of the indigenous people and Latin, Latinx people. And um, this is uh, – and he's he's – not only has he created these superhero stories, but he's connected them in, in the manner that superhero yeah. stories have been yeah. told, but given them, in my view, so much greater meaning. Uh, in addition – He's added a geopolitical element that's super contemporary as these two. I mean, you can also call this movie BIPOC forever <laughs> if you want to do that too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we, we, not only do we have the Wakanda forever salute, we now have the seashell, mm-hmm. um, greeting, uh, of Latinx communities. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I just find it thrilling. I find the way his storytelling mind thrilling. I find the way that he's able to uh, do old fashioned punch you in the face, uh, entertainment superhero movies, layer it with really deep historical understanding and really project, uh, really in, in a great collaboration between, uh, black Americans, Africans, um, and the Latinx community, uh, and make us want to look and think harder about mm-hmm. history as yeah. well as yeah. today. Uh, I just find it thrilling. Now, I also think um at a certain point in the movie everything kind of slowed down. I think um Yeah, cuz like I say you can see the, you can just see the gears turning a little bit. There's a little bit of but much exposition, yeah. you know. The and characters have to stand around and kind of explain yeah. what's going on. Yeah, there As was you a, know, Bob. Yeah. That, well, when Shuri was standing there talking about having to splice the genomes to extract the the I got a little tired of that yeah, story talk, you know, but uh, sure, uh, but, sure. You know, right. but what the, the uh, but ne- the name what was his Tenoch Huerta? Uh, I, I think he was fabulous. Oh my god! Um, uh, how what he represents? He's in this dreamy, movie. man. He is there you dreamy. go. Um, yeah. You know, uh, the woman loving my day. Oh the men boy, love everybody loves everybody Namor. loves him. Everybody loves this guy's um, Namor. Uh, you know, I thought the battle scenes in the latter third of the movie are like. The spectacle of those scenes are great, but the actual battles are kind of. Yeah. I mean, well, they go on a bit I much. mean, I they did avoid. Ha- well, they kind of didn't. They kind of didn't avoid having the third act be all the CGI creatures battling. There were some yeah, battling CGI creatures yeah. in the third act. So but- I'm not saying it's flawless, no. but I'm saying this: no. uh, its thrust, its meaning, and its symbolism, uh, I still find I- thrilling. Yeah, I think part of what I like about the previous Black Panther movie and what I'm looking forward to about this movie and what I appreciate about Shang-Chi was they're actually making the Marvel Cinematic Universe larger. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's not it's not just a location shot where a bunch of Americans go. You know, that, that suddenly it, it makes it richer for all the characters, right? Like you've got all these different places and cultures which are just as super powered and fascinating and have just as much going on. Like it, it makes, it not only adds representation individually in its own little individual movie, but it widens the world of it to say, hey, yeah, the yeah. whole world is super, yeah. not yeah. just America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I, absolutely. I, 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 you know, yeah. listen, they completely, completely retrofitted all of mm. uh, Namor and the uh, Atlanteans slash Kalkokans, uh origin story. Completely has nothing to do with the comics, and you know what? That's just fine. Mm. Now there is one thing I did, did this did bother me though. I gotta say. Why Namor not smash? I mean, holy cow. Namor in the comics is, you know, the whole thing. When they do the Fantastic Four, there can be no shyness about this. When Namor sees what he wants, he tries to take it. (laughs) 
Well, you know, <laughs> so I mean, this is the comics. He's this fighting the, right now. He's fighting for the survival I of his people. Understand, well, look, I understand. I didn't call it BIPOC forever for nothing. Yeah, he, yeah, it, he ain't going away. Yeah, well, I know, but <laughs> yeah, hopefully his Maslow hierarchy of needs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We'll allow him to do some hitting on people later. Well, I mean, I'm just, look, this is not even my original idea. I mean, you know, there's, there's been volumes of, you know, all these essays written about the fact that the MCU is so sexist because they don't want to get censored. You know, and I think the yeah. audience also has come to accept that. But you know, I'm just like, well, how can all these hot, attractive people be running around? Well, just to say, it, it may be uh, sexless, but boy, it's sexy. <laughs> so but yeah, yeah. But I mean, let's put it this way: you can definitely have Namor hitting on people left and right, and still have the whole thing be G-rated. Yes, like, <laughs> Namor hitting on people is not inherently. Uh, to although, make things although, problematic. You know, there is a whole segment of the fandom that is uh, very negative about Tony Stark and Robert Downey Jr. because, yeah. you know, he said some pretty crass things uh, well, in the course of the movies. So I'm, I'm not surprised. Yeah. But we should I mean, also, remember- also, by the way, Tony Stark is a playboy. Yes, that is exactly. his so that character. Really sense. Yeah, and he's got a playboy <laughs> oh, with a lot of issues. Yeah, but oh, I- although, to be fair to comics Tony Stark as opposed to movie Tony Stark, Comics Tony Stark is more of a playboy in a he likes to party way and less of a sleeping around kind of way. Mm. He well, he doesn't actually sleep around all that much in the comics, but he does like to party. Yeah. Um, well, not anymore. But, because no, he on. parties, but without alcohol. Oh, okay. He still enjoys events. Yeah, and flamboyance. <laughs> but yeah, he but has a very. This movie, he, uh, I will say this: there is also this other n- narrative going on, and it seems to be within uh, Latinx community about colorism, mm. about uh, Huerta's role uh, representing uh-huh. contemporary Mexico, uh-huh. uh, what this means to white Mexicans. It's fascinating. Oh, um, so something else to think about and look for. Well, anytime, in this movie yeah, the and range, there's, there's, uh, uh, but I will say. You know, uh, any, um, you know, uh, plot, uh, execution, there's some execution issues that I had with the film, but you know, it's just made with a lot of love and care. And you're right, Calvin. I, I mean, I think there's a real, the message in there is a really powerful one. And it's a, it's a one that we just don't hear enough and we don't see enough in movies, you know? He's really brought the Atlantic slave trade into contemporary pop culture. Yeah. Um, and their new characters are introduced in this movie as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, well, uh, well, can we, can we say that or? Sure. Yeah. You know, uh, Riri Williams? Oh, yes, of course. Well, she uh, was in the trailer as well. You know? Yeah. So, so uh, uh, more to Yes. Come. Yes. More absolutely. Right. Yeah. But right. we have some briefs. Yes, yes we do. Some there silly you go. season there briefs. They won't take very long at all. Um, basically, Listeners, you are now entering the uh, tech and manga mating <laughs> badly part of this podcast. So, first off, before we get into the Twitter apocalypse, um, <laughs> let's rewind back to AIs doing art. So, anime fans in Japan are currently up in arms over a AI art platform called Radius 5, where the company defending themselves said, oh, no, we want artists to put their own art in and make it for themselves. But the premise is that you feed it examples of an artist's manga art, and it will spit out AI art. Um, And you can see the practical and positive applications of this, such as creating backgrounds, right? But the thing is, Manga fans are actually pretty skeptical about manga publishers and their willingness to pay manga artists. So um, manga fans have been complaining that all across Japanese Twitter um, with the hashtag no AI learning that they think this is going to be a scab on the manga industry, that manga creators are already not paid well enough, especially the junior ones who do a lot of fill-in work. And that there might be a lot of AI art that is not really up to professional standards foisted upon readers and jobs lost by actual artists if AI gets too far into the manga game. So also another AI manga image generator, Novel AI, 
has been accused by fans of outright copying manga illustrations. Mm. Now, there's, you know, our AI platforms that just sort of learn from the whole internet as opposed to being fed a few specific examples, it's already kind of a gray area of uh, how much are they going to actually lift. But apparently um, this one's been fingered with lifting a good bit. Um, so to the point where a flesh and blood Japanese creator had to shut down <laughs> claims that she was using the AI by showing screenshots of herself creating the stuff because the AI has been copying so much and then people have been using it on their own work not even realizing that they're pirating right so it's it's a mess it's a mess and um you know the technology you see in Japan today you'll see in America tomorrow so listeners watch this space there's probably going to be some controversies in comics coming up very soon um and in a sillier front and a more present day front in the United States and the English language land of Twitter um manga is uh interacting badly with Elon Musk's new take on Twitter <laughs> so surprise surprise surprise, surprise. <laughs> so Elon Musk has been posting art from the manga Magical Girl site without crediting it. And so he, the creator of Magical Girl site, Kentaro, Kentaro Sato, uh, called out Elon Musk saying Twitter's new CEO Elon <laughs> Musk has been reprinting my drawings on Twitter without permission so please give me one billion in dollars <laughs> <laughs> good go for it hey right you know uh, if, if you don't ask how you know <laughs> if you could get it yeah um so he's posting and so he to prove it was posting both pictures of how Elon Musk used it as an uncredited meme, along with frames from the actual comics that it was cropped from. So it it was originally made in jest, but Japanese manga fans have been popping out of the woodwork, encouraging him to take Elon Musk for all he's worth. So uh, more to come on that. Also in Elon Musk's Twitter debacle, um... Tatsuki Fujimoto, the creator of Chainsaw Man, got suspended from Twitter because hmm. uh -huh. Twitter's verification issues. We don't have time for that. Google it, people. <laughs> uh, verification system has changed. Uh. And apparently um, Twitter's moderation panel assumed that he was not really the creator of Chainsaw Man, tried to shut down his account as fake. And he had to go online sh begging to have his Twitter reinstated, showing art of Chainsaw Man created by him, saying, here's the, the promo information and the, 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 uh, the, the concept drawings. I swear I'm the real creator. Uh, so yeah, only only Elon Musk. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh my God. So you know, uh, as we're recording this, uh, it sounds like uh, the his anyway. Apparently, everybody's locked out of getting into the office now. It's 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 something crazy. Something crazy is happening. So just before we go, real fast, a little poll. Yeah. Uh, do you think he's trying to break it deliberately, or is just that stupid? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's a little bit of both. I don't know. Yeah. I and, mean. Yeah. I don't think he's trying to burn it down to the ground permanently, but he may have some ill-thought-out plan about how he has to destroy it to save it. Um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's. I don't first. think it's going to work. Mm. Uh, 
but I don't know if, if he's planning to destroy it to save it or if he genuinely didn't realize he was destroying it in the first place. Well, we'll see, I suppose. We'll see. Can I just throw this in because I didn't throw it in earlier? Please, um, please go to publishersweekly.com slash comics. We have an interview there with Los Bros. That's Jaime uh, and Gilbert Hernandez uh, and, and to mark their 40th anniversary of this this uh, 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 comics changing series. Uh, Fantagraphics is publishing a boxed eight volume facsimile set that collects the first 50 issues of this groundbreaking comic series. Which is called? Uh, which is called Love and Rockets. And, um, uh, Shannon has a, Shannon Garrity has a great interview with both of Los Bros. And, uh, it's worth your time to give it a read and to take a look at this, this really beautiful collection of this, you know, mm. really, really world changing. I, you know, comic I just need series. to save up $400 because it is beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. And it changed American comic it storytelling. Did. And, um, yeah, uh, very good. So, uh, yeah, uh, until next time, uh, that's it. Everybody have a nice Thanksgiving. We'll be taking yes. next week off yes. because it We're is Turkey be Day. Around. We're not yeah. going to be around. And we have quite the long episode for a week in which we thought nothing happened. It's always <laughs> yeah. the way it is. There you go. Uh, but yeah, thanks for listening. And as you might have gathered from listening to everything we were talking about, there will absolutely be more to come. It's okay, Calvin. I'm going to... Poor Kate's going to have to edit this out.